Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Oh, yeah. I hate when you open the episode like that. I really do. I love it, Sophie. It makes me feel... Mm, just, I miss the atonal mm. shrieking, to be honest. No, I I like an almost an almost sexual expression of satisfaction. That's how you so start a much. podcast, Sophie. That's how you start a podcast. And to to be almost sexual with me, my guests today, Dan and Jordan of Knowledge Fight. Dan and Jordan, on a scale of Ooh, one to ten, how yeah. uncomfortable? Oh, oh, wow! You're just buying in. Excellent. Oh. I was doing Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes, you was. he was. I was doing straight up. That's what I sound like during sex. Yeah, uh, that that's going to be very polarizing among the audience. Uh, Why? I, I, you know, uh, uh, people will have opinions. Why? People will have opinions. Why? I'm not going to read those opinions. Uh, Why? I, 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 for my own mental health, I don't do that very often. Um, Less polarizing, though, the gracefulness with which Randy Macho Man Savage <laughs> would drop an elbow off the top of rope. That's something everyone can appreciate. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, Most on our next episode, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have me and the guests all slowly eat cereal in front of the mic, so we'll see what people Ooh, hate more, the sex drugs or the cereal. Cereal. You see, you could uh, have them mm-hmm. name the cereals, People too, might kill us for eating become cereal. A crowd boy. <laughs> yeah. Robert, I'm just, Guess I'm, the cereal that I'm eating. Robert, is this Cap'n Crunch? Is this Crunch Berries? That could be what our are new we show, doing? Sophie. Oh, Guess the cereal. That's the whole show. There's not enough money in the world to get me but there is enough cereal we can do this (laughs) Uh, so you know part two 
right? Uh, we should probably get back into the story. So by, by February of 1947, uh, Fifield has built this list of minister representatives, right? That's what he calls the P, the members of spiritual mobilization because he's, he's it's specifically an organization for religious leaders. And he calls these kind of, you know, you might call them uh, foot soldiers or whatnot in his war to make Christianity capitalism. He calls them minister representatives. Repristers. Um, yeah, repristers. And in he starts doing this in 1944. He has about 400 minister representatives in 44. By 1947, there's more than 10,000 of them. With NAM money behind him, he's able to get out his message and keep spiritual mobilization together despite its meteoric rise. He finds great success in arguing against the pagan statism of socialist politics rather than against a social safety net and for the dignity of individual man as a child of God rather than against the responsibility of rich people to pay taxes. Clergy begin to flood Fifield's Los Angeles office. His phone rings off the hook for weird, like, it's usually people, like, when people call, um, it's citizens who have, like, come across his his organization somewhere, and they're they're writing him because they want to get sent political tracts. Um, That's a big part of what spiritual mobilization does, is it sends out these right-wing zines uh, and books from authors like Garrett Garrett. Um, And Garrett Garrett is, G-A-R-E-T is his first name, and then his last name is spelled the right way have you heard of this guy i don't know so. no i have not i've never heard of anyone being named garrett twice yeah it's, it's a bad times. decision obviously that's twice um, as many times I, as is the wrong number of times but yeah. but, but is robert a, is it a typo or is it spelled the first name spelled differently than the last name it is it is the first name spelled differently is than it the last a key and peel bit I actually yeah. kind of I kind of like the different spellings. Yeah, the first name <laughs> that, that, the, that got me. The first name has one R, one T. The last name has two R's, two, two T's. Two R's, two T's. Yeah. Is it Garrett, Garrett or is it I Garrett like it. Garrett? Yeah, I, I don't like know. it. You gotta give him that. I have questions. He is a, so he Garrett Garrett is like a an Ayn Rand type figure. Uh, like he's a libertarian fiction. Do you mean awesome? Writer. Yes, uh, I mean okay. based as hell. Cool. Uh, cool, so, cool, cool, cool. So he writes. Right. Liber- he writes some of the most insufferable sounding liter- libertarian fiction I've ever heard of. You can find all of his books today, hosted online for free by the Mises Institute. If you Ooh. if you want to read Garrett Garrett, uh, he was big in the twenties and thirties. And in, if the summaries I'm reading are anything to judge by, like it is some of the most insufferable shit ever. One of his books is called Satan's Bushel, and here's how the Mises Institute describes Satan's Bushel. What is Satan's bushel? It is the last bushel that the farmer puts on the market that breaks the price, that is, reduces it to the point that wheat farming is no longer profitable. The puzzle that afflicts the wheat farmers is that they sell their goods when the price is low and have no goods to sell when the price is high. Withholding goods from the market is one answer, but why should any farmer do that? What is the answer to this problem? Working from this premise, then, as implausible as it may sound, but the central figure in this book is the price of wheat. It is the main source of drama. The settings are the wheat pit at the Chicago exchange in the kansas wheat fields yes he wrote a book where the protagonist is the concept of wheat as a commodity i I fucking love Mm -hmm. how bored satan has to be Mm -hmm. all the time where he's like listen guys we've got nothing going on today i don't know let's fuck with the price of wheat yeah (laughs) 
There's no more relatable protagonist than the price of wheat. Too. <laughs> the yeah. price of wheat. Yeah. Yeah. The hero's yeah. journey of wheat. Wheat, yeah. <laughs> wheat initially rejects the call to adventure, but then accepts it after finding a mentor. <laughs> and the resolution, of course, is subsidies. It yes. Makes yeah. sense. It, all that works. Is the- it all works out. It's perfect. <laughs> um, it is also just. The very, wheat of Darkness was my favorite book. Very Cream telling. Because Garrett Garrett is huge. He, he's one of the most popular author, authors that Fifield's distributing. It's very telling of these guys' ideology that, like, you hear, hey, we gotten so good at farming wheat that it's it's basically free. And instead of being like, oh, good, no one will ever not have bread again. The dream of human beings for thousands of years finally realized it's, oh, my God, then we won't make money. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's unfortunate the way that the system America. works. Yeah. So, a, a lot of drama in the book hinges upon someone who's apparently poisoning all of the wheat as a favor to the farmers, like poisoning the wheat to kill it so that it will make wheat more valuable to help the farmers. Like this guy sounds and like a the lunatic. name was Monsanto. This is crazy. Wait, this yeah. is the most amazing book Wait, I've ever heard of. Predictive programming. If I understand correctly, does is the person who's poisoning the wheat a heroic character? I think that's so. I have. That's I, kind I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't read this fucking book. I well, absolutely I, did not read this fucking book. <laughs> um, I read a summary of the book by the Mises Institute, which, by the way, this is this is, y- y'all will enjoy this in its biography of Garrett Garrett. The Mises Institute notes qu- that he was, quote, as noted for his critiques of the New Deal and U.S. involvement in the Second World War. Now, hmm, mm, right. Mm. You, you hear that. Hmm. The only war people, for whom being against is inherently it's suspicious. Not, no, 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 no. It's not that they're against World War Two. Is that they're against the concept of yeah. war? If you are against World War II, I had better see a Quaker somewhere in your biography, or I am making some dire assumptions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uh, the Mesa Institute is Mises, one of the most yeah. Yeah. the insufferable uh, fucks I've ever run across. Like they they've come up in some of our stuff before, and like, yeah, one of the things I, I note uh, in particular is like their like they they have a long argument on their website about why you don't have a positive obligation to feed your children mm, like that's the good shit that's yeah. the good shit that's the libertarian stuff i yeah. love right there <laughs> fucking yeah. when you've got like fred coke arguing about the fact that people should be able to sell themselves into slavery and fucking yes. yeah <laughs> yeah that's the good shit if you can't then do you really own yourself <laughs> yeah it's really funny too like it's it, it's shameful that you've got something as batshit wacko as that is like slavery is good because otherwise you don't own yourself and this guy decides to write a book about fucking wheat prices like come on man (laughs) there's so many cooler places to take this I mean, what's trading places about? But orange prices, it's mm-hmm. the same. It's not the central character. No, no, no. It's the really. main character, right? I feel like I... Also, there was a gorilla. That's mm-hmm. not okay. Is this wheat book uh, available on tape? Uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it is in Garrett, the public Garrett? domain. Dan, you could do a free audio book of the wheat Let me book. write this down. I'm going to do this. <laughs> Satan's bushel. <laughs> oh, man. That is an now, MST3K movie waiting to happen. I, I had to note, we're going on a bit of a tangent with Garrett Garrett, but it is important to get some 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 texture as to like the kind of material that spiritual mobilization is putting out. And when I saw that Garrett Garrett had been an opponent of U.S. involvement in the Second World War, I did a little bit more more digging and i found an article 
from Garrett Garrett titled War Has Lost Its Pockets from the Saturday Evening Post in 1940, where Garrett argues, he argues a lot in this article. One of the things he says is that it wouldn't make sense for the Nazis to use forced labor because that's bad for business. Sure. Nazis, they wouldn't use forced labor. That's not very efficient. I'm going to be, I'm going to be straight with you. Indisputable. Indisputable. Great argument. Free market. Free market, man. Nailed it, Garrett. I've heard that same sort of like tone uh, from libertarians about slavery in America as well. Mm -hmm. Like that. People wouldn't mistreat their slaves. That doesn't make economic sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Okay, guys. Anyways, my favorite book of the Bible is Exodus. I don't know why, but. So. Spiritual mobilization sells this guy's books uh, like hotcakes. Now flush with cash, Fifield decides to draw in new ministers by making the gospel of free enterprise profitable. In October of 1947, he holds a national sermon competition with the perils to freedom as a theme, and he offers $5,000 in prize money. More than 20,000 ministers submit entries, which is 15% of all clergymen in the nation. So this is now... This isn't just I sent a letter to a bunch of people. This is I have made a connection. They are engaging directly with the and making propaganda of their own now, which is a really smart way to do this. Right. Can I Um, ask a question? Yeah. Has has part of that been like because because everything that we're talking about now is purely economic and currently in the present day, all of that is tied in with a real bloodthirst. Mm -hmm. So in this time period, was that separate was there still a, that undercurrent of like and you're gonna have to kill infidels like that kind of thing or oh, yeah that's there i mean these guys are very we'll talk the korean war comes into this a little bit um you know they're they're th- this is this immediate post-war period there's not quite as much of that just because everyone's kind of tired of fighting for a little everyone's bit everyone's already fought out but once we you start know, several getting, million died whatever once we start getting into these wars in korea and vietnam yes these guys get very pro killing the communists and you know th- this is cool this gives birth to the, the to the the chunks of the conservative movement that are pro rhodesia and all cool, that stuff cool, you know, cool, obvious, cool, cool. Uh, of Love course it. yes yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so pew and the nam are so happy with this this thing that fifield carries out getting all these ministers to engage with this propaganda that they double his annual budget. Pew generally takes a lead here uh, in soliciting donations from his re- rich friends. He, 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 he sees this as a success and he wants to, like a crack has been made in this wall of leftism in, in the clergy in America and he wants to shoot as much fucking water into that crack as possible to try to expand it. Um, so he tells his hot. fellow rich guy friends it is hot, that spiritual <laughs> mobilization should be at the top of the list for all their donations, citing the polls that he paid for that showed ministers as the most influential molders of public opinion. But as this experiment rolled forward, there were some on the left who could see the shape of was starting to take form. I'm going to quote now from Kevin Cruz's book, One Nation Under God, How Corporate America Invented Christian America. Quote, in February 1948, journalist Kerry McWilliams wrote an acidic cover story on it for the nation. With Save Christianity and the Save Western Capitalism chants becoming almost indistinguishable, a major battle for the minds of the clergy, particularly those of the Protestant persuasion, is now being waged in America, he began. For the most part, the battle lines are honestly drawn and represent a sharp clash in ideologies, but now and then the reactionary side tries to fudge a bit by backing movements which mask their true character and real sponsors. Such a movement is spiritual mobilization. McWilliams explained to his readers the scope of its operations, noting that it now had nine organizers working in high-rent offices in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles, and had distributed hundreds of thousands of pamphlets to pro- by pro-business authors for free. But no one knew who was funding the operation. 
Association, McWilliams warned. There had only been vague statements from Fifield that non-ministers who have a common stake in the America and Christian traditions cannot contribute service and that it was only natural that they give substance instead. In McWilliams's withering account, Fifield came off as a charlatan who prostrated himself before the apostles of rugged individualism to secure his own fame and fortune and, in return, prostituted himself for their needs. So... <clears throat> And this is how it's framed at the time because they don't have access to like the letters and stuff I've been reading. They don't know that this is all funded by the NAM, right? right? That's right, not right, right. super obvious to any to anyone writing it. But the, he can tell from what Fifield's saying that like there is some shady business interest in spiritual yeah. mobilization. Like he's speaking I, about it. I always love more than anything whenever people use adjectives that are thoroughly inadequate for the job of like, hey, you know, he's fudging things. Mm-hmm. Like, no. There's a multi-million dollar campaign behind a lie. Yeah. Like, this is not fudging things. He's not like, oh, it's not it's not $50, it's $100. It's, this motherfucker is killing everyone. Yeah, I mean, obviously at the time, too, like, McWilliams doesn't have all that data. There's only so much you can say in an article without being sued. But he, you, you can see he's like... He's st- he he knows what's happening. He just doesn't have the proof of it, right? Like and right. He's, he's trying to like put that out as clearly as he can. Something's uh, rotten in Denmark. Ooh, yeah, and the the, the, the National- Dutch East India Company. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. And, and this ah. scares the hell out of the NAM, right? That that, that like this guy's kind of on to them, um, and that he's attacking Fifield as like a charlatan. So they mobilize a bunch of rich guys, including the president of the Republic Steel Corporation, to send out mass mailers to other business owners and executives to defending Fifield. Um, and as a fun fact, the guy who sends out this mass letter uh, is uh, Charles White, the president of Republic Steel. Uh, Charles White presided over the 1937 Memorial Day massacre when 10 uh, Republic Steel union workers were gunned down by policemen for striking. So that's the guy. <laughs> he sends out a letter to a bunch of rich guys calling Fifield a, a, one of my personal <laughs> friends to solicit was, donations for him. I was literally about to say Republic Steel sounds like a dystopian future name. Oh, yeah. Or like the overarching. And then the next thing you said, murdered 10 people. And I'm like, well, you know what? Let's not even. There we are. I'm going to read a quote from this letter that White writes defending Fifield. Our company has supported this crusade generously for some years, and we believe in it deeply, the more so since I have read this irresponsible article and see how the opposition feels about spiritual mobilization. White then went on to ask the people he'd written this letter to, why don't you send a check at once? And in short order, more than $100,000 had been donated by business owners to spiritual mobilization in like a couple of days. Um, it's great. Like he's doing the whole, they're trying to cancel us. Like the liberal media is right, trying to cancel right, us. Right. We need to send us money very ahead of his time, you know, trailblazer. Just such a, like you're getting money from mm-hmm. people. If you get a hundred thousand dollars from people, it's people who do not give a shit about money, mm-hmm. you know, like in two days, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, again, that's it. like a million yeah. or two. That's like that's a couple a, yeah, million yeah, yeah. bucks then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So spiritual mobilization itself responded to this criticism in the nation in that time-honored tradition of smart shitheads. It got bigger and louder. In 1949, Ah. it launched The Freedom Story, a 15-minute radio program presented by (laughs) Fifield. And here's Cruz and Politico (laughs) describing this. In the original scripts, Fifield made direct attacks on Democratic programs at home, but his lawyer warned him they would lose the public service designation that gave them free airtime if he were too plain-spoken with partisan attacks. Instead, he advised... you're going to go down the Mike Lindell route. You yeah. got to stop. You got to stop. I can see the future. You're well, going to become Mark Lindell. 
No, that's not even what he's worried about. He's fine with him becoming Mike Lindell. He doesn't want him to have to pay for this ad by it being too political. Overhead. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So he advises instead that Fifield should basically instead of don't talk about democratic policies in the US. That's not allowed. You you'll get, Mm-mm. you know, we'll have to pay for it then. But if you talk about foreign examples of the menace the of creeping socialism, then that's not political. Hey, why don't That's we weird. own why don't we own Venezuela? Like I yeah. mean honestly, like look into your heart. Okay? So anything outside the United States not politics. No, nope. not politics. Can't be politics. Let's start the American. crusades, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nonpartisan. Right, exactly. We t- we just talked about how nonpartisan the crusades were. Yeah. Ah, uh, good times. So, since Fifield's NAM backers had lost a lot of friends in me or had a lot of friends in media, it was child's play to ensure that this freedom story got free airtime in over 500 stations. So this this thing again, and they're like, "You motherfuckers could pay for this," but you know, it also sounds better if it's not political, right? It doesn't sound like I'm a guy making a right wing like ad if I'm just talking about the history and the dangers of creeping socialism to freedom in these other countries. Uh, you know, it's 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 a smarter way to do it. Um, so this is a big hit, gets out to a lot of earbuds, uh, and Fifield's next big move is a four-day conference in 1950, with 25 of the most popular ministers in the United States and an assortment of big business leaders, including Crane and Pew. A pair of economists, Friedrich von Hayek and Ludwig von Mies, were also present. Yeah. I bet they're great. The Ludwig Austrians von are here. Von Mies. Yeah, Mies is back in the yeah. mix. In, in, yeah. in between writing articles about uh, how you don't have to feed your kids and how yeah, child sure. labor is fine. What are you doing feeding your kids? Goes, You're wasting your goes time. He shows up uh, here. Good, good on him. Good yeah, on good him. for him. He, he sits up. Perhaps children should starve. And a, a rounds of applause come from the ministers and business leaders in the Sounds audience. Sounds like freedom. Hey, yeah. listen. When I, when I went to, and took my dog, Jay, to basic dog training the dog trainer was very specific she said you have to work for your paycheck and now it makes perfect sense to me mm-hmm. people are dogs is what i'm trying to say yeah um yeah that's that's what that's that's a big part of what's happening at this conference so fifield uh describes the goal of this like uh, uh symposium as to quote define the conflicts in this critical period of civilization and to establish freedom's answers to these problems tentatively the agenda will cover such subjects as the relationship of liberty to christianity equality and morality competition and corporation and the application of true christian principles to present day problems so this is a big hit. It gets the most popular preachers in the world to, or in the country together with all of the richest people in the country and a bunch of libertarian economists. And they all start being buddies with each other and they start like spreading their ideas around. And these ministers go back to their gigantic churches and like start talking about some of the things they've encountered. Uh, Social Mobilization launches a magazine called Faith and Freedom, which was billed as a place where ministers could write in and express their views freely, debating with one another over the issues of the day. But almost all of those debates were really just screeds against social welfare right there's not like a left-wing right-wing debate it's like how much should we stop feeding people right Um, right and and this is actually where we get into one of the precursors of the modern right-wing like bugbear that satanists are secretly behind socialism i think this is the start of that and i i want to read a quote here this is from one of the ministers who wrote for faith and freedom and an essay he did called pagan origin of the social gospel um which in which he argues that pagan influenced strands of christianity and he he includes unitarianism uh here sure had led to a quote shift in faith from god to man from eternity to time 
time, from the individual to the group, from individual conversion to social coercion, and from the church to the state. That, like, pagan origin of the social gospel, that, like, the idea of a social welfare state in any way um, is he's not calling it Satanist, but it's it's not Christian. It's fundamentally anti-Christian is, 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 Don't, is where that Satanism, argument starts, I think. Yeah, it's a transition toward Satanism. Yeah. It's God, then humans, then Satan's next. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. You yeah. know, I, I feel I feel for the for these people, right? Because you used to be able to just call someone a witch and people would believe you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now you have to do this whole dog and pony show with all these lies. You have to do all this pagan shit. You can't just say people who like socialism are witches, to be so fair, let's kill them. But to be fair, they did do empirical tests about whether or not people were witches. Well, they mm-hmm. were heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or or they were able to be crushed by rocks. If, if yeah, they weren't in certain cultures, if, if, like there were things like you would feed fucking, them, and if they die, they're not mm-hmm. a witch, but if they survive, they're a witch. Right. Or vice versa. It works both yeah. ways. <laughs> Get a job or have a giant rock tossed on mm-hmm. you. I feel like this is very simple. So in 1950, the Republicans, you know, after this is after several years of NAM and Fifield working together in 1950, the Republicans have a huge win at the midterm elections. Right. And this is taken by Pew and the others in NAM as evidence that they're, what they're doing is working. Right. Like this. This shit is paying big political dividends. More funds poured into spiritual mobilization. Fifield celebrated in a letter to the head of General Motors, writing, quote, we are having quite a deluge of letters from across the country, indicating the feeling that spiritual mobilization has had some part in the awakening which was evidenced by the elections. Of course, we are a little proud and very happy for whatever good we have been able to do in waking people up to the peril of collectivism and the importance of freedom under God. <coughs> Meaning, now that the Nazis have been gone for a little while, fascism can totally be yeah, popular let's, again. Let's I'm move it you, back into let's fascism. Let's get back but into we'll call it, it freedom under God because there's nothing more free. Is a tiny number of people owning everything, and that's uh, like it's under God because that's what God wants, you know. And also, definitely not paying taxes. That's true. Yeah, well, for sure, God does yeah. not want you paying taxes. No. Yeah, yeah. What's now, the point of having serfs if you have to pay taxes exactly. to help them well, live? Well, let them, Bullshit. let them die when they're too let old to die. work or too They'll sick to work. Kids. Let them die. Yeah. I bet they have more than one. That'll be we, twice we got as many there. of them. We did get there eventually. <laughs> Do you have a positive responsibility to help people who are dying? Mises says no. <laughs> no. No, of course not. And in fact, you have a responsibility to maximize your own profit by letting people die sometimes. Absolutely. That's I read an essay. Yeah. So <laughs> now empowered and properly organized, Fifield decides to lead his most ambitious charge ever. He's going to change the 4th of July forever. And this is the thing people don't often get. It didn't used to be like a big, big thing. Like we didn't always, it wasn't always like the hugest deal in the world, the 4th of July. Um, it has become that in recent decades. And a big part of why it is what it is, especially on the right, why it is like such a almost a holy day. Um, it is kind of a holy day to millions of Americans. That really starts in this period. But you know what's starting in this period right now? Goods what? and services! That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh! And it's never going <laughs> to stop, baby. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. 
And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, we're back. And I have just learned the news that Build-A-Bear Workshop launched an After Dark series of erotic teddy bears. Oh, so, fuck a bear. Love yeah, that place. Fuck a bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great. Yeah. I, uh, this is my whole world now. Um, Sophie <laughs> cancel our next 10 podcast recordings. I have a new thing to do. <laughs>
Oh, they seem to mostly just be build a bears in pajamas. I wouldn't, with wine. I wouldn't openly say that on the internet, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. What? What? I have a new thing to do talking about fuck a bear. The fuck bears. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Dan and Jordan, you guys can uh, you guys can bounce. I got I got to deal with this bear situation. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair bear situation. Fair. So What's a, a more care bears. bear than a fuck bear? A fair bear situation. <laughs> horny, horny teddy bears. I want a teddy bear that's ready to Netflix and chill. Well, see, this is this is just society uh, maintaining balance. The M and M's become less sexy. Yeah, build so, so the build bears in. have to get have to get more fuckable. Yeah. Do you know what's crazy? The care bear that had a vulva on its stomach got cut real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is weird. Mm. There's a there's a Oh now I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is that would basically just be a fleshlight. <laughs> that you know build a bear could make some money with a fleshlight build a bear. Hey, uh I think build a bear's already made a bit of money. <laughs> Look, it, this is this is free cash we are leaving on the ground. <laughs> we need a more fuckable teddy bear. Look. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the problem since time immemorial. The problem with this riff is that it hasn't gone long enough. And once again, the furries have been on the cutting edge of fuckable Always teddy bears. True. Always. True. Uh, well, are they a sponsor? Yes. Yeah, we, we okay. are. We are sponsored by the concept of having sex with anthropomorphized teddy bears. AdamandEve.bear.com. Yeah, that, that is really the primary reason this podcast exists. Big fuck bear. That's that's our sponsor. <laughs> Sophie, really staying quiet here. So, <laughs> when we last left our actual episode, uh, our our buddy Mister Fifield has decided he's going to change the Fourth of July. And to explain what his plan is, I'm going to quote from Kevin Cruz again. To mark the 175th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, they proposed for the week surrounding the 4th of July a massive series of events devoted to the theme of freedom under God. To that end, in June 1951, the leaders of spiritual mobilization announced the formation of a new committee to proclaim liberty, the CPL, to coordinate their 4th of July freedom under God celebrations. Despite its apparent spiritual emphasis, the true goal of the committee was advancing political conservatisms. Its two most prominent members had been brought low by Democratic administrations. Hoover, driven from the White House two decades earlier by Franklin Roosevelt. Driven from the White House. Driven from the White House. Driven from the White House. Stones and chains and whips. If only. Pennsylvania. Kept Pennsylvania. Yeah, you you, want to guess who who Hoover's partner was in this? Who who are you going to put up next to Herbert Hoover in this 4th of July event? General Douglas MacArthur. Get oh, out! Yeah, baby. What? Why? Because he had just gotten fired by Harry Truman for wanting to nuke all of China and Russia, yeah, basically. I mean, um, sure. During the I've Korean War, he was like, "Why don't we start a nuclear war that kills tens of millions of people in order to win in Korea?" And Truman was like, "Oh God, you're out of your mind. You should not be in charge of fighting men anymore." And then MacArthur said, "What about freedom?" Yeah, yeah that, that's defense, what he spends the rest of his life doing. In his um, defense, at the time, the military was just firing nuclear bombs into Arizona and forcing troops to walk through it in case it gave yeah, them. Why we know, we, look, we should at least yeah. nuke the enemy as much as we're nuking ourselves, right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's just fair. That's Doug MacArthur's attitude. <laughs> um, so he, he had gotten fired two months ago when he gets put in this committee, right? 
Like he has just gotten out of the Korean War business. Um, so he immediately goes into let's make Christianity capitalism by subverting the 4th of July to our own purposes. Um, so these guys uh, get joined by a bunch of different legal, like conservative right wing media figures, uh, entertainment industry figures who are like very right wing. Bing Crosby is a member of this committee, sure. right? Bingo. James O'Keefe. Um, no, but Cecil wait, B. DeMille. Wait, wait, wait. So every time I've watched White Christmas, I've supported a fucking Nazi. God damn. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah old, old Blue Eyes wasn't a good man. Jesus. Um, can't imagine you not just assuming that. Cecil <laughs> B. DeMille point. is on the committee to pro- proclaim liberty. Well, yeah, but of course he is. Walt Disney is on the pro- committee to proclaim Again, liberty. of course he is. I just and, didn't know that Bing Crosby was a Nazi. Yeah, he's pretty far right. And of course, our buddy Ronald Reagan is on the committee. Well, yeah, um, and then you've got a bunch of big business types. There's J. Howard Pugh, obviously, uh, Harvey Firestone, Conrad Hilton, James Harvey Kraft. <laughs> yeah. Harvey Firestein? <laughs> no, Firestone, the guy from the tires that oh, exploded. Very different. Very different. Yeah. I was living in Independence Day. I was, I was like, oh my God, how can we do this? Oh, James L. Kraft, Henry Hughes, Fred Maytag, and J.C. Penney. Um, all of these guys are, are, are part of the committee are hanging out with bingo you know uh, <laughs> trying to do a kill democracy every time so, you learn the history of where you shop if it's yeah. been around for longer than 50 years you're like why why aren't i burning this down right now why that, aren't i just the, lighting it on fire that was the question be. everyone briefly asked in 2020 and there's mm, zero there reason exciting times there's yeah. zero reason for a hobby lobby a hobby lobby to still oh, be standing Christ. like zero reason well they got a house those stolen artifacts that somewhere. is true <laughs> And now we're back to Indiana Jones. So you wouldn't think a group of luminaries and brands with that kind of star power. You got all the big Bing Crosby and Walt Disney together finally with with Douglas MacArthur. (laughs) It is a dream team of dudes who sucked. Um, But you wouldn't think like with that kind of they're also dudes who are pretty good at being famous. You wouldn't think they would have needed to advertise uh, for this sort of thing. But by God, they do. Disney, Firestone, all of these big corporate like motherfuckers take out a series of full page newspaper ads advertising all these events around the 4th of July. This like week of right wing, you know, uh, uh, speeches and radio programs and whatnot. Um, Each of these full page ads focuses primarily on the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. A lot of them are just the preamble being printed. Now, you might wonder, well, that doesn't sound super right wing, right? That's just like a historical thing about the United States printing. There's nothing particularly right wing about printing the Declaration of Independence. Uh no 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 wrong yeah. you have to read it for it not to be right wing if you yes. print it and you well, don't read it it's right wing it's a little you, under, it's a you little, see what i'm saying yeah that's that is essentially what they're doing because they want yeah. people to read the preamble they don't want people to read the declaration of independence if you read the declaration of independence a lot of it is very specific critiques about shortcomings of the british government right sure they are their problem is a lack of good government they are as as you might guess by the fact that they made a government they're not anti-government um and again evidence of this is that when the revolution was won a lot of people who had signed that declaration went on to crush a libertarian an uprising in their own country with cannons you know like they were not yeah but i mean you know reasonably speaking only two people have actually read the declaration and that's king george and nick cage and those are the yeah. only two to be fair nicholas cage read the back of it he did re- <laughs> he, he did not not even the front of it yeah yeah so 
Quoting just the preamble of the Declaration of Independence allows these guys to turn the Declaration from what it is, which is a list of political grievances rooted in a specific place and time, and the solution of those grievances was a kind of government. It allows them to ignore that and just turn through the using only the preamble, turn the declaration into a manifesto of Christian libertarianism, where the only focus is in the founding fathers wanting to remove government, right? That's not the declaration isn't the founding fathers saying we don't want to have government because free enterprise is best. It's them saying this government is shit and we want to do a better job, right? Um, You don't want that thought to go into people's head. In his book, One Nation Under God, Cruz quotes one version of this ad paid for by by the San Diego Gas and Electric Company. It told its readers, quote, These words are the stones upon which man built history's greatest work, the United States of America. Remember them well. And the words of the preamble were accompanied by helpful analysis by the good people at the Committee to Preserve Liberty. All men are created equal. That means you are as important in the eyes of God as any man brought into this world. You are made in his image and likeness. There is no superior man anyway. All right. So we're anywhere. Stop right there. Period. Fine. Fine. We're all going to go home. Mm -hmm. End of show. That guy was great. Let's get out of here. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Here is your birthright. The freedom to live, work, worship, and vote as you choose. These are rights no government on earth may take from you, except for the government established by this declaration, which didn't let most people vote. But like, I whatever. Say, I would, I would, like, I would yeah. like more rights than those. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Here is the reason for and the purpose of government. Government is but a servant, not a master, not a giver of anything. Right now we get into the right wing propaganda. Um, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In America, the government may assume only the powers you allow it to have. It may assume no others. (laughs) Right? This is a subtle piece of propaganda, though. This is very smart. What they are doing here is recontextualizing and repurposing history into something very different than what it was um, in order to inculcate a specific political ideology in the population. Um, and this works pretty fucking good. If you want to talk about how successful replacing well, the real hmm? look at the world today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really look at well. we're living. Yeah, yeah, what are yeah. you fucking talking yeah. about? Oh, we need yeah. evidence. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I am Do you a- know how do you know how obvious it is? You use the word inculcate. Mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> um I I I want to quote to talk about like how successful specifically <laughs> the evidence content- that this worked is both of us have podcasts <laughs> both of us have podcasts yeah <laughs> but also it, it's interesting to me that the the preamble remains a really common piece of right wing propaganda in in a lot of shit that's been happening very recently I'm going to quote from Jacqueline Keeler's book Standoff which is about the Bundy occupation of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge quote on January nineteenth twenty sixteen Ryan Payne a Malheur occupier and founder of Operation Mutual Aid, a militia coalition based in Montana, read the preamble of the Declaration of Independence at a community meeting held at the refuge. Political instruction in the philosophical beliefs that brought anti-government activists together in armed rebellion against the feds was common at both the refuge and during Cliven Bundy's standoff in Bunkerville, Nevada, two years earlier. And that's this is interesting because it's not just the preamble. A lot of these militiamen carry pocket constitutions, right? That is a huge thing among chunks of the the, the libertarian right. Um, and the specific pocket constitutions that are everyone at fucking Malher has are produced by the National Center for Constitutional Studies, which was founded by a Mormon elder named W. Cleon Skousen. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Yeah, Skousen's in the housing. <laughs> uh, 
Skousen was a founder of the John Birch <laughs> Society, who are directly talking with Fifield and with NAM. They are working with NAM right now. Welch is a member, well, like, yeah. And Skousen got uh, sort of, he had to remove himself from the Birch Society because he was too extreme. Sure, sure. Th- th- this is the guy who was too shitty for the worst people ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is important to note that Skousen is very much copying Fifield and his organization in handing out these pocket constitutions. He, 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 that, this is where this idea comes from, that we can repurpose pieces of American history for this specific end without like, like that that's um, like par- a, a great thing for us is going to be taking these historical documents, adding our own context to them, right? adding essays to them, explaining them in a way that makes our ideology seem like the only possible American thing. That starts here with the Committee to Preserve Liberty and their effort to recontextualize the 4th of July. Um, and obviously, as we've talked about, it's been a tremendously successful thing. Um, right, right, right. So yeah. basically what you're saying is that... Uh we need a fucking time machine. I look, if I had a time machine, uh, I would, I would, I would get up to some shit. Yeah. The, <laughs> the present would be fucked up. If you had a time machine. Yeah. There'd be a lot of folks just missing. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Howdy. Um, starting. No, that's not a good joke to tell. Back to the 4th of July. In the lead up to the day itself, Reverend Fifield gave a big radio service wherein he introduced the people of the United States to the Committee to Proclaim Liberty. He told them its purpose was to, quote, revive a custom long forgotten in America, spiritual emphasis on the 4th of July. They held another big essay contest, soliciting sermons on the theme Freedom Under God. Fifield encouraged ministers to read the sermons they wrote to their own congregations on Independence Sunday, July 1st. Now, I want to hone in on this a bit because it's brilliant. Earlier, Pew had criticized Fifield for not directly controlling what ministers wrote and said in their sermons. But Data had told the NAM (laughs) that that handing out. Sorry, that's just a sad, fucked up criticism. It is fucked up. Just like, hey, listen, you're not controlling what everyone's saying, you piece of shit. Hey, bro, get your pastors on a leash. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's like, what the fuck? At the same time, while like Pew is frustrated by this, NAM's data shows that the pre-written sermons and stuff that like that they're handing out don't work. They sound too oh, much too like obvious, propaganda. Right? Yeah. Right, right, right. So Fifield gets And the 17... Koch brothers are right fucking mm-hmm. there, man. Well, Fred Koch was founding yep. member of the John exactly. Birch Society. Yep. So yeah. Fifield gets 17,000 ministers to write their own sermons on a theme that he's chosen um, and like ties that to the 4th of July, right? Uh, has all of the, all of these ministers, thousands of them around the country, giving variations of the same speech on a thing he's picked on the 4th of, of that, July. Um, yeah. That'll put it in your own words kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how you copy no, well it's in, like in a, high school. Yeah, it's like a high school essay contest. How you, how you cheat. Yeah, it's like the winner gets to go to fucking D.C. Yeah, yeah the that winner kind of gets to help overthrow democracy and institute an oligarchic uh, dictatorship. Yeah. I mean, you put it like that's a bad thing, but that is an accomplishment. It is an accomplishment. Look, I'm not, you I'm give not taking that. anything from these dudes. They're good at what they're doing. <laughs> so I'm going to quote next from Kevin Cruz again. 
These sermons were amplified by a program broadcast that same evening over CBS's national radio network. Cecil B. DeMille worked with his old friend Fifield to plan the production, giving it a professional tone and attracting an impressive array of Hollywood stars. Jimmy Stewart served as master of ceremonies, while Bing Crosby sure. and Gloria Swanson offered short messages of their own. The preamble to the declaration was led by Lionel Barrymore, who had... Oh, I thought it was going to be Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, is, this is what happens when you make... Make a banker the protagonist of one of the most famous movies of all time. Mm. That's entirely, it's all, I know you've got very good points about all of these people. I mean, but I'm going to blame Jimmy Stewart alone. It's, it, it's it, all it, him. Not just a banker, but a banker who, to his credit, bombed, uh, flew a bunch of bombing missions over <laughs> Germany in World War II, and then to less of his credit, was an active general during the Korean War of the Air Force. Ooh, yeah. that's not good. Don't, don't get me started on Mickey's history. <laughs> and uh, Mickey Mouse has killed a lot of people. But you know what? Mickey sure. doesn't get up in the sky to do it. Mickey, Mickey uses a knife. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Lionel Barrymore, Drew Barrymore is either father or grandfather. I, I forget right now. What? But yeah, stop it. Yeah, There's Lionel like Barrymore. Ten people alive. I'm sick of this yeah, shit. We need more characters in the human race. You do complain about that. Preamble, I complain about it. He he poses to like help advertise this event where he's you know all these guys, famous people are are giving speeches and he's reading the preamble. He poses holding a giant quill and looking at a piece of parchment a parchment with the words "Freedom under God will save our country." Again. This is, we don't think about what under God means so much, but like this is a very specific political line because freedom under God, they have made mean a very specific thing, right? That you have the freedom to be poor. That's what it means. Freedom under God to these guys is you have the freedom to be poor and you're not free if there aren't poor people. That's I'm confused. It sounds like you means. aren't. It sounds like you are not thankful for your freedom, sir. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's 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 where all this gets started. So the broadcast yeah, featured choral performances of the America as well as Heritage, an epic poem composed by the for a former leader of the U.S. Chamber of Congress, uh, General Matthew Ridgway. <laughs> yeah, whites are great. Yeah, whites are great. It's, it's dope. Everybody knows it's fun. <laughs> so to be eight. Th the guy who takes over <laughs> commanding American forces in Korea. Uh, oh, uh, Lionel Barrymore's great uncle to Drew Barrymore. Thank you, Sophie. Uh, somewhere in there. Um, so Matthew Ridgway, who's the commander of American forces in Korea, the guy who replaces uh, fucking famous right wing shithead Douglas MacArthur. Um, he's also a right wing shithead. And he gives a keynote address from Tokyo uh, as part of this like big fucking Fourth of July brouhaha. And he tells America that the founding fathers were motivated to do what they did by their Christianity. Um, you know, don't read Thomas Paine and the whole book he wrote about how he doesn't like Christianity. They did it all for Jesus. <laughs> you know, that was the <laughs> genesis of America. So this is the kind of propaganda that sticks in people's hearts and souls, and it becomes central to their being. The genius here, and this is where Pew and the NAM come into it, was that wrangling beloved celebrities like Jimmy Stewart and Bing Crosby, like that's their, their like Fifield doesn't have that kind of power on his own, but the NAM does. They've got all these fucking inroads everywhere. And this, this whole gigantic event solidifies the 4th of July as the most sacred day in the right-wing religious calendar, right? Um, and as a side <sighs> benefit to the corporations who sponsor the show, the Christian libertarian ideology Fifield expands upon over the airwaves also gets to hitch a ride into people's souls. It becomes part of the 4th of July and part of the celebration of the 4th of July and part of the lexicon we use to talk about freedom gets infected with this thing that he's invented. One of the things that I absolutely 
absolutely despise most more than anything else is finding out some horrific tradition is only like like my dad could have not dealt with it you know like like every time i go to a baseball game and there's a flyby by shit i'm like the war's over man like i want to start a war like it's that kind of fury at like we're we're past this man yeah why are we still why are we doing this why are we doing this we didn't do this for a long time the information that you have just provided jordan will make it so he can't watch the hot dog eating contest i will never watch that hot dog eating contest i will watch yeah i mean i've never watched one and never will again but certainly extra not now and um, you can tell Jamie Loftus I said that. Oh, Sophie I will. is Never. sending her an email. Right yeah, now. you better fucking do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. I will. So the celebrations, all of this shit we've talked about is the days leading up to the 4th of July. Um, on the 4th itself, the Committee to Proclaim Liberty coordinates Americans in nearly every state to all ring their church bells simultaneously for 10 minutes. I don't like that. I don't like no, that at all. No, it's great. It's great. No, no, in, in Los no, Angeles, no. the city government uses the air raid sirens like to do this. Like they join in with Jesus LA's Christ. air raids. This is the first time Los Angeles's air raid sirens are used. Um, that would probably scare people who didn't know. Yeah. Right, why would you do this? There's a cold <laughs> yeah. war on. What is wrong with you? We are fighting in Korea. Everyone has nukes now. Um, one newspaper. That's one, of the, that's one of the things that is like changed so much from growing up in small town middle America is like when I was young, a large group of people chanting the same thing was good. Yeah. Now, now that we're where we are, if a large group of people chant the same thing, I'm running in the opposite direction. I don't care if it's USA or like fucking Sylvanesso is great. I'm out of here because there's Nazis there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophie also just muted me for a second. I just want everyone to know she's trying to steal my <laughs> my my voice and my free speech. Uh, I'm being canceled by the radical left. <laughs> so. Uh, one of the, so the fucking Los Angeles uses their air raid sirens to celebrate the 4th of July and a newspaper writer describes it as in the most fascist line I have ever heard in a newspaper a scream as wild and proud as that of the American Eagle yeah! <laughs> you love to hear it Daniel can we get an air raid siren so everyone can hear a scream as loud and proud as the American Eagle Oh, that was a good air raid siren. <laughs> Not Daniel. Chris. Uh, Sorry. Beautiful. Chris. Just so beautiful. The whole thing was a big hit. The Committee to Proclaim Liberty organizers wrote in a later analysis that, quote, the very words freedom under God have added to the vocabulary of freedom a new term. It is a significant phrase to people who know that everybody from Stalin on down is paying lip service to freedom until its root meaning is no longer apparent. The term freedom under God provides a means of identifying and separating conditions which indicate pseudo freedom or actual slavery from those of true freedom. So if you think freedom is not having to worry about going broke because you can't pay for health care, or if you think freedom is not starving to death, you're a slave. That's slavery. That's a really good point that I hadn't thought of it in that way before. Mm -hmm. But since you just said it, I'm convinced. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, guess I'm gonna go on to vote for Ronald Reagan in a couple decades. It's it's, it's <laughs> really oh, weird. Freedom. It's really weird how you convinced me of a point that you were in opposition to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things start to move very quickly after this point. This is a huge hit. So in 1953, the U.S. has its first ever national pa- prayer breakfast. 
Um, we could talk a lot about the family here, but you know what the theme of the first prayer breakfast is? Hot Murdering. dog eating contest. <laughs> Almost, basically. He's funnier. Government under God. There's that term, under God again. In 1954, the Pledge of Allegiance has the words under God added to it. Congress adds in God we trust to our stamps in 1954 and to paper money in 1955. In 1956, in God we trust becomes the first official motto of the United States. All of this happens right that's, after that's, this 4th of July not event. Fair. Like, I know, be, it's really not like, fair. No, that's fucked up. Like if, if my dad didn't have to say under God, I should retroactively not have to have said it yeah. when I said the Pledge and, of Allegiance. And, and if someone suggests that you shouldn't have to say it, your dad's going to be pissed. I'm going to mm-hmm. be furious. <laughs> you know who else is yes, going to be pissed? He will be furious. <clears throat> the hot dog eating contest people? Well, yeah, they, but they're always angry. No, who's going to be pissed is the products and services that support this podcast because they're so such good deals that they're losing money on every sale. You know, they're really because of the deals that we're giving you. It's really hurting them. So, you know, they have the freedom down. to go broke. They do have that freedom. <laughs> they have that freedom to be poor, you know? Uh. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We are. You and I, me, us, all here together, talking. Hey, listen, I just want to say, now that, mm-hmm. now that we're back, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. I'm sorry for all the mean things I said about you off air to that's your a, face. That, that's that's I, that's okay. I cried. On I got air? through it. Sophie says most of that great stuff job. to me every morning. That's how I wake up <laughs> every day. And also, also, I'd like to apologize that I kept telling you that Hoover won Pennsylvania during the break. <laughs> you, you, you did say that about 130 times. Yeah, while Jordan was, was just cursing know. at me in an unbroken stream. <laughs> I don't know what got, uh, came over me, but yeah. Mm-hmm. We're a it, good team. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good stuff. We'll just make that be the ad break next time. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Reverend James Fifield has accomplished something amazing here, right? Like, under God is fucking everywhere. And now, we all know the horrible, fucked up ideological reasons behind those words. In his write-up on this whole fucking thing, Eckert Toy Jr. notes, quote, Many of Fifield's letters, both to Pew and Crane, ended with a request for funding. Fifield continuously presented himself as selfless and living a simple life, even though both his church and his spiritual mobilization were perpetually in a state of need. As Fifield asked for donations and monetary interventions to save himself financially, he and his staff directed very few funds or outreach initiatives to the poor. They are spending it Listen, all we're, on Listen, we're very, we're very, we're the tip of the spear, I just want to let you but we need your money to continue fighting the good fight we're gonna just need it he's he's pioneering it yeah yeah yeah. But he's just talking directly to rich guys. Now, Toy <laughs> quotes from a letter an employee of spiritual mobilization sent to Crane of the NAM in 1953. Quote, basic to your thought in this area is the concept of vast majorities who cannot take care of themselves. They are too foolish, too weak, too gullible. You and a few others who really care feel the need to scurry around and get government to force somebody else to do something for these poor folk. Tolstoy made an observation that bears directly on your little crusade. He said, people will do everything for the poor except get off their backs. This is the job for the government and libertarian thought to destroy Mm. parasitism by pulling people off their victims back for this. Mm. We need a strong government strong enough to do the job. So you might That's good stuff. You might what? find that incoherent. Like we need a strong <laughs> I mean, enough government me, to do the job me, of destroying what? the government. Yeah, sir. Start one more time. Uh, a what? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's very funny. It's also funny because Fifield himself is absolutely a parasite on the rich. Like he's just sucking money away from them. Um, totally. And they get a lot for it early on, um, but it, it starts. It doesn't work as well after this big Fourth of July thing. That's kind of like his his high point. You um, mean Fifield's? Yeah, Fifield's high. Well, point. Well, like he did his part. He did his part, like, right? And that, he's not necessary after that. That's exactly right. And oh the, my God, you the, are really getting to a tribe called Quest, aren't you? Sure. What? Five feet. Mm, oh, five all right. Dog. Come on okay. now. Come on. Yeah, I didn't all catch right. that. What one, am I, a but... monster? Am I a bad person? No, it just wasn't a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it, Dan. Yeah. Fair point. Being a hero once again. I have the freedom <laughs> of expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, and and we uh, you also have the freedom to go broke when you get cancer. <laughs> we, we have glorious freedom here, all of us. Um, so the Reverend... Fifield, uh, one of the funny things about him is that for all of his love of capitalism and shit, um, every time he tries to do a capitalism, he's terrible at it. He tr- he launches a television show uh, based on his, you know, ramblings that does not do well. People do not like the, the Reverend Fifield hour. Um, what about his has, shoe line? Um, <laughs> no, that he doesn't try doing that, but he does like, he has like this land deal. He, tra- he has like a couple of different business deals that all fall through that he uses the money his foundation's getting from rich guys to try to fund, right? Um, and they start to get angry because they're like, well, he's just using our money to try to get rich himself and he's bad at it. And that's the real unforgivable <laughs> sin yeah. to rich yeah. guys <laughs> i was gonna say you do not have the freedom to be bad at getting rich yeah, yeah you can you can take our money and get rich you cannot take our money and not get rich now the good news is that spiritual mobilization had already done the one thing that it had meant to do which is kick open the doors of religious politicization and tie christianity to the free market and the hearts of millions of americans just a few years after that famous fourth of july his work had gone so far beyond him that he had been marginalized his final straw with the pew brothers was a propaganda a film, which they considered weak. In 1957, Fifield quit spiritual mobilization altogether, and it drifted along on fumes for a few years before it died out. The cause it had birthed, however, sailed right ahead. Pugh and Crane found a new minister to invest in, one who was much better with money. You want to guess what this guy's name was? Uh, Creflo oh, A. Dollar. Uh, not quite I, I yet. Not Fucking quite yet. Marjo. Like, uh, I don't know. It's not quite. Mar- <laughs> I do love Marjo. No, is it the bagel- I kind of love Marjo. He's, he's, he's very charming. No, it's Billy Graham. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, not of course. Fuck- yeah, it's oh, Billy Graham, baby. So we could have just gone back in time and just slapped that guy in the face and it would all been fine. I, we'd have to go back further. There's actually three boats. If I could go back in time with a chain gun, there's three boats I'm taking care of, you know? Three boats. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> That sounds like that sounds like a Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, three boats sunk in the middle of the ocean by a time traveler with a Gatling gun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, Billy Graham, um, Pew and Crane decide to back him next after they kind of abandon Fifield. You know, he has to leave spiritual mobilization, yada, yada, yada. Very sad story for the asshole. Here's Eckhart Toy again. The mission was to spread the free market conservative message through religion had only just begun, and in many ways, Graham further nuanced its delivery. As Graham himself put it to J. Howard Pugh, God has given me the ear of millions. He has given to you large sums of money. It seems to me that if we can put these two gifts of God together, we could reach the world with the message of Christ. Oof. Billy Graham, Oof. much smarter guy. 
As a business proposition, supporting Graham was a win-win. Graham's ministry would flourish. Business interests would be advanced by a key opinion shaper. And unlike Fifield, Graham would not continually pester Pew about his dire, dire financial situation and the need for more funds. Graham was a public figure who ingratiated himself into the politics of America, promoting political involvement at his revival meetings. He had preached from the steps of the U.S. Capitol in 1952, and he also had a close relationship with President Eisenhower. So, much Who's a better commie? bet. <laughs> yes, the yep. fam- famous communist yeah. agent Eisenhower. Yeah. yeah, be like Ike communism. Well, that's also too because the the very early on the NAM, there's a lot of ties with the John Birch Society, but that's not the best way to get your message out to a lot of people. Billy Graham's a much cuddlier figure. He's got a lot more people are going to like Billy Graham than than fucking Welch, you know. Well, and his stakes are more real to most people, like your eternal soul. He's got T bones. He's got. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So flank. Yeah. <laughs> the the first big collaboration between Pew and Graham was a little publication you might have heard about, Jordan. You might you might know about this. Christianity Today. Oh, I've heard of yeah, that. Yeah, that's, yeah, this is how it starts. And it My was, family was more focused on the family by the Dobsons, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I Christi- know Christianity. It's, it's a different magazine now, um, but it was originally, number one, it was originally just for ministers, uh, mm. and it was founded by Graham and Pew to solidify ties between the right wing and organized Christianity. Pew explained, quote, Christianity Today is a magazine, conservative in its theology and beamed directly to the ministerial mind. Mind, those of us who have given years of study to this problem realize that it is just as important to have conservatism in theology as it is to have conservatism in economics and sociology, if America is to remain great. Yeah, that was true. That yep. was true. Yeah. They were they just nailed it, you know. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes a lot of people are like, ah, they're bad people, but I'm telling you. They nailed it. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about ministersonly.com, their dating mm-hmm. website that they yeah. had underneath it. That really nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Minister yeah. ministers.com and priestfuck, which was its, its <laughs> <laughs> slightly slightly trashier cousin. That was their equivalent of the fuck a bear uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the fuck a bear workshop, the, the Catholic fuck a bear workshop. We don't need to get into that. That's going to get unsettling no. quickly. So, yep. from the beginning, both Graham and especially Pew took pains to ensure they could not be tied too closely to the magazine. They didn't want it to be seen as an overtly political lo- uh, look, even though it was. Despite claiming a hands-off attitude, Pew constantly complained about the editorial direction chosen by the man they picked to run the magazine, Dr. Bell. In 1958, Pew hired the Opinion Research Bureau to conduct one of the first Pew surveys, although it was not yet called a Pew survey. Carried out on the readers of Christianity Today, it found that nearly 30% of ministers still described themselves as something besides fundamentalist or conservatives. 14% even called themselves liberal. Now, this might be due to the fact that Christianity Today was blatant right-wing propaganda, so only a few progressives read it. Uh, Billy Graham probably knew this, but he was savvy enough to see how this data could be used to peer pressure more ministers into moving right. He wrote... I believe this poll should be widely publicized. So many of our liberal ministers are liberal only because they think it's the popular thing to be. If they could understand that the vast majority of American clergy are conservative, it could swing hundreds of others over to the conservative position. It would also probably have a great impact on our seminaries if properly distributed. This isn't the point, but again, your character fell apart in the (laughs) middle of that. I I know. I'm not a a voice actor. You started strong, but it just went 
just you know, I, know. I mean I, know. I just kept thinking like what if the dare program was more oriented around uh christian nationalism like if all of these pastors had peer pressured each other into doing drugs i feel like we would have all had we, a better we would life. have been in an incredible place as a country LSD acid is being was, discovered around this time it was right Amazing. around this time it yeah. would have blown everyone's if mind only rogan world. was around if back only then only rogan was christianity around. today is literally just <laughs> sheets of acid inside of a magazine (laughs) Um, and obviously today it is a different thing in fact Christianity Today is such a centrist uh, magazine now that Donald Trump called it far left Um, sure obviously getting good data overall and where priests ministers and reverends are politically is complicated it's not an easy group to just certify like survey all of them but it's worth noting that while roughly 18% of Americans are white evangelical Protestants they make more than up more than 43% of white Yes, Pew Research calls staunch conservatives and 39% of so-called mainstream Republicans. So there's a debate to be had as to like whether or not it's broadened or narrowed the the, the electoral kind of uh, possibilities of conservatives in America. But as a result of everything we've talked about this week, uh, the center of the of organized conservatism in the U.S. are white evangelical Protestants, the most reliable right. voting bloc, the most organized one. And it all started here. Good time. No. Refuse. Mm-hmm. Rewrite this story and make it less sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> make it fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I get a time machine, I can do the fun version of this story. <laughs> That's, you know, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just a lot of people not wanting to. Uh, I just I just pay. hate that when stuff isn't old enough. Oh, when when it's kind of from a relatable time period. Yeah, Yeah. I can't I can't like walk over to my grandfather and be like, hey, you remember when things weren't shit like that's not fair. Mm -hmm. Like I should have to go way further back in time. Yeah, this thing thing that seems like so uh, entrenched. mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but, but it's not like from. No, I mean, the heartening thing about that is, is because it's not that old. We could we could do different stuff. Like, we could make it be different as a country. Sure, we but have at that a certain option. point in time, Christianity wasn't that old, and now it's fucking old. You know what I mean? But also, yeah, Robert... That's also what could happen. Robert, to your point, though, too, like, you know, if your story has taught me anything, if we're going to shift this back, we need billionaires, mm-hmm. and we need charismatic preachers, yep. and those are things that I don't think we have access to. Uh, I will I mean, accept being both at any time, I, as I, long as everybody else takes care of it. I know George Soros listens to the podcast. <laughs> sure, sure. George, buddy, we got an idea. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to recontextualize. What, should, what, what holiday can we take over? Arbor Day? Yeah, no. we're gonna That's we're gonna make already. we're no, gonna we make take over. You're right. Arbor Day is not ours You're to right. take over. We're gonna make Memorial Day about Car finding uh, i was gonna what? say well that's what these guys would do we're gonna oh, make memorial day about, oh, okay sorry um, i thought that was president's day i thought we were branching no. out you what know? if we made memorial day the center of celebration breaking in to the house of the alex azar the former health and human services secretary and taking okay. all the ill-gotten gains he made from jacking up the price of insulin that could all be right. the new the memorial to the dead of the insulin crisis all we need is a couple hundred million dollars to really get this going 
and That's we can do fair. a deep fake of Bing Crosby and uh, and Jimmy Stewart. We can now recontextualize them now, too. Listen, listen, Jimmy. Both of us were kind of milk toast mm-hmm. before. You say Bing Crosby, I'm in. I was in on I don't see why we shouldn't go to Alex Alex Azar's house and and take his <laughs> take his cars and his nice golden things. I'm Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> see now that was a character you now committed that's to. A Thank bit. you. There I, you I go, did my, my best friend. there. I can't do. I can't do. <laughs> well, I'm Bing Crosby, and I think you should go to Alex Azar's house and take hey. his car. Every every time I think about doing go to a Alex Bing Azar's Crosby, and take his A's car. Every yeah. time I think about doing a Bing Crosby, it transfers into uh, Yogi Bear instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Just that constant like. Hey, we're gonna hey boo boo mm-hmm. like it's so fast. Yep. There's not I'm a lot of not a lot of distance. Not a lot of distance of the Sackler family <laughs> towed into the middle of the ocean on a barge. Mm-hmm. We can and do of course this. a picnic basket. Hey yeah. boo boo, we gotta take down the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bing Crosby and fucking uh, 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 the the bear. Ah, goddamn it! I spaced on the name. I ruined the joke. Now it's over. Well, now you're great. You guys got any pluggables to plug? Well, just, you know, we have our, our podcast, yeah. uh, knowledgefight.com, Indeed. Is, uh, where, where, uh, where that lives. Yeah. I just want to aggressively promote my book on this one. Yeah. It's called The Quiet Part Loud. Sure. Mm-hmm. You can download it for free at The for Quiet Part free. Loud. Anything you want, just read it or don't. I really just put it out there and it was great. Anyways, it's The Quiet partloud.com mm-hmm. it's a passive aggressive plug just want to aggressively promote my book there anyway. you go yeah Good. see <laughs> that's how you do it that's how you plug you're learning I'm trying. You're learning. Soon you'll be as good a pitch man as the reincarnated digital ghosts of Jimmy Stewart and Bing Crosby. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking for that level of cells. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, soon. Coming soon. Yeah. Anytime. Lionel Barrymore comes back and tells people to <laughs> rob Bank of America locations. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse takes up arms. Mickey Mouse fighting in the mountains to to make a Zapatista-like colony in Appalachia. I'll be back over after the war is finished. Um, We could do it, everybody. We could do it. All we need is a couple hundred million dollars. So now I'm now I'm in my head reading Civil War letters in Mickey Mouse's voice. And that would be the rest of your evening. Bringing ammunition to the government troops. Dear Sliza, my love for you burns as every night. Uh, all, right. all right. Well, that should get us some fun fan art. Okay. Yep. That's the episode. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.